Our thoughts are more important than we could ever have imagined. They define and organize our experiences. They help us learn. They help us reflect. They help us plan. They help us create. Our thoughts are endless. I'm Lisa Thompson. Please join me as we explore the enormous power of our minds. This is podcast seven, Our Marriage Relationships Hard. Hello, everyone. I thought it might be beneficial today to talk about the differences between a life coach and a therapist. Most people have heard of both professions, but not everyone knows if one or the other would be more beneficial when struggling with emotions. Therapy focuses on mental health and emotional healing. And life coaching focuses on setting and achieving goals, working with present issues. Life coaches identify and they describe current problematic behavior so that the client can work to modify the challenges and helping get closer to the, to the life that they want to be living. And therapists do the same, except they work with clients on more of the why of the problem by looking into the past, whereas coaching focuses on the how to get out of the problem and looking toward the future. Now, if you are facing some challenges, here are the reasons you should consider seeing a therapist and not a coach. First of all, if you're having a mental health concern that's causing you really deep distress in your life, that might be a time to see a therapist. Or if you need long-term support navigating difficult emotions, or you need healing from past hurts or trauma, if you're struggling with relationships to the point of divorce, uh, if you want to learn strategies to cope with what is happening in your life, or if you're overcoming deep-rooted issues from your past, these are the times that a therapist would be more beneficial. Now, when should you see a life coach? This is when you can identify a plan or a goal that you want, but you just need extra help by a coaching professional to lay out options of how to go about working toward what you want to achieve. Or when you need extra clarification in setting goals to achieve a certain outcome. Typically, a life coach works with clients short-term and therapists work with clients long-term. So I just thought this was important to clarify all of this before we started in today's topic. So today's topic is on relationships, primarily marital relationships. Now, if your marriage is struggling to the point where you're considering divorce, I suggest you see a therapist if you want help. So when life coaches help clients with relationships, it's to help clients improve what is already good or perhaps a relationship that maybe is just stagnating and needs a boost. So let's go. What would be your answer if I asked you, are marriage relationships hard? A lot of people might say a resounding yes. Some might say sometimes. And if someone says no, then I think that might be rare. But if you answered yes, marital relationships are hard. 
Then the next question is, what makes them hard for you? There are probably going to be a lot of different answers here. Well, I'm here to tell you that a a marriage relationship doesn't have to be hard. When couples have come to me, the first thing I ask them is, do you love your spouse? So far, everyone said yes. So when couples still love one another, why does a relationship seem hard sometimes? Well, hopefully we can clarify that a little bit today. What makes them hard are usually our thoughts and stories that we create in our heads about something that was said or something that was done or maybe not done. And the thoughts that you make out of certain circumstances then cause feelings to surface. Such feelings are usually ones of not being understood or not fully heard. So when these thoughts are created, then come the feelings of self-doubt and fear and maybe even resentment. Most couples don't want to feel these things, so how can we change that? Usually the thoughts we conjure up come from circumstances that happen, and so we interpret the situation to mean something, and then the feeling is created. And this is when we blame our feelings on the circumstance, saying, It was the circumstance that made me feel this way. But in actuality, it's not the circumstance. It's how we've interpreted the circumstance. And then we believe our story. And we might even have evidence to support our thoughts and the feelings we've created. And usually we hang tight to it. Well, first, let's look at some examples. So example number one, Joan finds it very difficult that her husband travels two weeks of every month with his job. She feels lonely when he's gone. She feels unimportant. And she feels that closeness is difficult as a result of her husband being gone so often. In contrast, Beth's husband also travels two weeks of every month with his job. But she feels that it strengthens their relationship. She's grateful for the income her husband's job provides, and she believes that they are more creative in ways to keep close. Plus, it gives her time to experience some of her personal interests. So for both of these women, they're coming from the same circumstance. Both of their spouses travel two weeks of every month. That's a fact. But both women interpret this fact to mean something different through their thoughts. Joan feels lonely as a result of her husband traveling. She blames him for not making more of an effort in keeping their relationship close. And then she begins to believe his job comes first. And as a result, she feels resentment. Joan was asked to search the reasons why she feels this resentment toward his job. She struggles at first, and then her brain has convinced her that it's a natural emotion to feel those things when her husband is absent. It's natural she would feel lonely. And this might be true. Life may be more complicated when a spouse is gone half the time. But what about Beth? She saw her husband's travel from a different perspective. So Joan was asked if the feelings she has about her husband's travel are the feelings she wants to hold on to. Or does she want to feel something different? She loves her husband. She wants to be supportive. But the resentment is starting to take over her thoughts. She definitely does not want these feelings. 
So she was asked, what feelings did she want to feel when her husband was traveling? Her response was that she wanted him to be more reassuring. She wanted to feel more important than his job, to feel more self-confident that their relationship was the most important thing to him as it was to her. She was then asked to examine those thoughts. She determined that she wanted her husband to essentially fix what she was feeling. And if he would reassure her more while traveling, what would that look like? Or what if he reassured her some of the time or made attempts to, would that be satisfactory? Or what if he didn't reassure her at all? What would that look like? There soon came a very sudden realization from Joan that although her feelings were being blamed on her husband, she suddenly began feeling that feeling important or more self-confident was not going to come from her husband. It needed to come from herself. She decided that even though he might reassure her, that still wasn't really enough for her. The confidence really needed to come from her. This was like a new revelation and a feeling of motivation to change her thoughts came into play. But even with this realization, this is where most people get stuck. They know that change must come from themselves, but how to change is tricky. So this might be where a life coach can help. Joan knew that she needed to change her thoughts, but she wasn't sure how. So she was then asked, what would you prefer to feel when your husband is traveling? She described that she would like to still feel close with her husband and to not feel lonely. She wanted to feel supportive of her husband and she wanted to feel important in his eyes. But how, how could she do this? Her initial response was, I just want him to feel it and express it to me. Even if she came out and asked her husband to call her more frequently and to express how important she is to him, guess what? She's not going to feel it. She won't believe it because he is simply doing something that she's asked, not necessarily doing it on his own accord. Often we want someone else to fix how we're feeling, but the only person that can fix it is ourselves. A lot of us don't know how. We don't realize just how much power we have, though, in fixing our own emotions. It's because we just want someone else to fix how we feel. We aren't confident enough in ourselves to change. So, but how do we do it, right? As much as we w might like someone else to change, it's just not going to happen. We can take a lifetime to get someone to change, but it's really not going to happen unless they really want to. As humans, we want our spouse to change because if they change, it means we will be happy. But if you haven't already discovered this, and this is really important to know, neither you nor I have that kind of power to change someone else. The world would be a lot different place if we did, right? But it's important to recognize we don't have the power to change someone else. But we have a greater power Many of us don't even know this exists, and that is you have the power to change, the power to change you. Once we realize this, we become empowered 
and in, in control of our lives, an entire new world opens. We suddenly know that we can control our brains by our thoughts and thereby creating the feelings we want, which then in return creates the type of situation we want, especially if we identify the feeling we want to have. We can retrain our brains and accomplish just exactly what we want. Now, this doesn't happen 100% of the time because there might be other circumstances that come into play. But for the most part, yes, you have the power to create certain outcomes, and it all begins with your thoughts. So Joan was asked, how could she change things for herself and accomplish what she wanted? She explored a lot of ideas, and then she made a plan of the things that she believed were doable. And here's some of the things that she came up with. First of all, she could call him in the evenings or face chat. They could talk about their day. Setting a specific time each day for her was something that helped her. She came up with the idea to do a popcorn date once or twice while he was gone, where each of them brings popcorn or maybe another snack, and they would face chat, and they could talk as if they were on a real date or sometimes watch a show together or played an online game together. She also decided she could slip notes into his suitcase that expressed her love and appreciation. She'd always wanted to take up painting, so she signed up to take a class while he was gone. And as she did these things, what do you think started to happen? She began to feel that closeness that she wanted, and as a result, felt the relationship growing. She also shifted her focus from depending on him to make her happy to realizing only she could create happiness for herself. She no longer felt she was a competition with his job. And as she tried on these new ideas and thoughts, she discovered something much more enriching. Have you heard that saying, make lemonade out of lemons? This is what Joan did. She made something she believed to be sour but when she had the right ingredients, turned the lemon juice into something sweeter. Another important thing that Joan discovered was that there is not equality in a relationship, and that's okay. As much as spouses want equality, marriage relationships, I don't believe, actually can thrive on it. Now, let me explain this. Sometimes a job, kids, education, or whatever can become the competition within a relationship. In Joan's case, she thought she needed to be at least equal or more important than her husband's job. But she realized this wasn't realistic because only she was the one competing with his job. Her husband didn't feel his job was more important than her. She just created this competition within her own thoughts. And sometimes the job and the kids will get more attention. Um, and, and sometimes uh, our efforts may not always be equal, but the attitude and efforts you create, you create or contribute is really what counts. Your, sp your spouse may not ever be as reassuring as you would like, but you know what? That's okay. It's your efforts that count and what you do that counts not what the other person does or doesn't do. Over the years, I've discovered that marriage relationships are really 
all about serving. In fact, I think the definition of love should be to serve. Have you ever noticed when you are giving without expecting something in return, how satisfying that is? Think back on a time when you've really given an act of service to someone and followed through. How did it make you feel? If you have kids, think about how much you love your children. Most of their lives, you've been serving them. Serving creates love. You don't love your kids because you're hoping they will serve you, although it's nice when they do, but because of all the ways you've served them, you have most likely found this deep and unending love for them. Serving someone unconditionally brings feelings of self-confidence. It can chase away the blues. In most cases, serving someone creates greater happiness, especially when you are feeling sad, lonely, or depressed. It's one of the greatest natural remedies for feeling blue. So the next time you're sad, go and serve someone. You won't feel like it when you're blue, but I can promise you that if you do, sadness will disappear. Just keep that in mind. Have a plan ready for those rainy days and Mondays that get you down and see what happens. It truly is miraculous. Joan's changed attitude became one of service to her husband. She adopted the philosophy that love is service. And as she did that, without looking for something in return, she discovered this greater closeness and love for him. She was happier. And when he traveled, she began to look forward to their conversations and their popcorn dates and creative ways to express her love to him. She also ended up creating some beautiful art. Relationships don't have to be hard. When you realize that, when you adjust your thoughts as to what you want and ask yourself how you can change to accomplish that, you'll find greater joy and happiness, just like Joan did. And Harold. Harold was retiring. He was so excited to finally spend more time at home. He had all these dreams and imagined that his wife would be more attentive to his needs and wants. Perhaps she would have his favorite newspaper next to his favorite chair, and she would be in the kitchen each night where he could smell the dinner cooking and he could watch more sports on TV and so forth. But when retirement finally happened, none of those things happened, and he started feeling grumpy. Week after week, Harold's wife invited him to go grocery shopping, something he didn't like doing. But one day he decided to go with her. It wasn't as bad as he thought. So he started going with her more often. But then his wife became ill. Harold went to the store on his own over the next few weeks. He made meals for her, brought her magazines, watched her favorite TV shows with her instead of sports. And when his wife returned to good health, he realized that serving her had created a new attitude of love. And from then on, he volunteered to go shopping with her. He continues to bring magazines and make meals more often. He still watches television shows that she likes. And through this experience, found a deeper closeness than what he had once dreamed about. He discovered that it wasn't what he imagined that his wife could do for him that would bring greater happiness, but rather what he could do for her that brought him pure joy. Relationships are important, but they don't have to be hard. You just need the right thoughts to create the feelings and the outcomes that you want in your relationship.
I hope you have a great week. Until next time.